It's a word that I, uh, actually it's a phrase that I learned early on in my life that if I deployed at just the right time, it would help change my fortunes or lack thereof. It's a phrase that I knew if I used it, it would get under the person's skin and hopefully gain me the advantage. I first used it as a kid, and I'm guessing you used this phrase too as a kid, but as we grew up, I continue to use it. It just changes, uh, the audience just changes. Now it's with bosses. Now it's with life in general. Now it's with referees as I watch my favorite sports teams. Uh, And I use it thinking that it's going to give me some kind of advantage. What's the phrase? That's not fair. That's not fair. If we use it at just the right time, we think that it's going to change the outcome for us, don't we? And when we we use the word fair, we really mean one of two things. We like things fair, meaning that everybody gets the same thing. You see this with little uh, Little League kids. Everyone's going to get the same amount of playing time because that's what's fair. Despite Timmy being the worst on the team and Johnny being the very best on the team, they're both going to get the same amount of playing time because that's fair. Grandma and Grandpa come to visit and every single kid gets a gift and the same amount of gifts because that's fair. Everyone gets the same thing. We also mean something else when we say that's not fair. When we talk about fairness, we think that it's something that I've earned or deserved. You work hard at work. You work harder than the rest of your employees, the rest of your coworkers. And so what's fair is that you get the promotion. What's fair is you get more recognition. What's fair is you get what you deserve because you put more time and energy into it. As kids get older from Little League, they start growing up and they get into more competitive leagues. And then what's fair is that the best play more because they deserve it. That's what's fair. We all love fairness. We all love what's fair. And we all have this meter inside of us that's just waiting to go off as soon as something isn't fair so that we can scream out, that's not fair, in hopes to change things. We love fairness. And so we have to ask the question today, is God fair? This is important. Because I don't know about you, but if somebody continues to be unfair, it's hard to respect that person. Take your kid's little league team, for example. If the referee continues to call an unfair game, at the end of the game, what's your view of that referee? It's not very good. Is God fair? No matter who you are, this is an important question for you and your family to answer today. Whether you're one who doesn't know about Christianity You're still debating, do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really believe this Christianity thing or not? This is an important question for you to answer. Whether you're somebody who is on again, off again with church, this is an important one for you to answer. 
whether you're sitting here and you're here every single week, this is an important question for you to answer. Is God fair? And it was an important question for the person who was being crucified next to Jesus. Is God fair? We often, uh, I don't know how this happened, but somewhere down the line over church history, uh, we started referring to that guy dying next to Jesus as a thief on the cross. Uh, And yet, the Greek word is not thief. The Greek word literally means someone who has committed gross misdeeds and serious crimes. This guy, neither of these guys, were your average shoplifters, just somebody going around pickpocketing the markets. No, this guy is somebody who has committed gross misdeeds and serious crimes. He is maximum prison type person behind closed bars in the federal prison where nobody can get to him because of his gross misdeeds and serious crimes. We don't know what they were, but we can speculate that there were people in this very moment who were hurting because of him. We can speculate that there were people mourning at the loss of a loved one because of this criminal. With gross misdeeds and serious crimes, we can let our minds wander and even think our parents, were parents, suffering at this very moment because of him. This guy is a hardened criminal. Both of them were, hanging next to Jesus. And if that wasn't bad enough, these guys are hanging there with Jesus, being crucified, and we're told in Matthew and Mark that at the beginning of the crucifixion, both of them were heaping insults on Jesus. That's a special kind of blasphemy. I mean, there's blasphemy, and then there's you are dying as a hardened criminal, and you are insulting the Son of God as you die. That's what they were doing. And over the course of time, on the cross, here's one of the conversations that happened. We're in Luke chapter 23. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at at him. That's Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So time's ticking away. At the beginning, they started heaping insults on him. This criminal, one of them, starts realizing this is kind of a lost cause here. Uh, I'm about to die, and and out of all desperation, he continues with the insult and and basically says, Jesus, come on. If you are the Messiah, then save us. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Now, uh, he is pretty generous, isn't it? He's not saying, save me. He's up for all of them being saved. (laughs) Just get us all down. (laughs) So he isn't generous in his ask. But, there's that added insult. If you really are Jesus, it's the same thing. If you really are the Son of God, it's the same thing that the devil said to Jesus in the desert. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Messiah, then save us. Then prove it. Let's go. And in that moment, something surprising happens. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Somehow, over the course of being on the cross, something changes for this criminal. Maybe it was the fact that he heard Jesus, even though he's getting nailed, insulted, mocked, and ridiculed. Maybe he hears Jesus say, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And somehow the word of God and Jesus changed this man's heart. And in the last hour, he cries out to Jesus, save me. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. How would you respond if you were Jesus? You want to know how I would have responded? Well, you should have thought about that about three hours ago before insulting me. Well, maybe you should have thought about that before you did all those bad things out there. I know all the people that are suffering because of you. You should have thought about that earlier in life. Oh, now as death is approaching and you realize there's no hope, now you want help? Now you want my help? Maybe I would have responded by saying, you know what, okay, all right, fine. But we'll give you a probation time. We'll, We'll see if this thing is really serious or if you're just crying out in desperation. But I'm not guaranteeing you anything. That would be fair. But what does Jesus say? Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. We just finished a series called Soul Searching, and we walked through the first three books, or uh, Genesis 2, 3, and 4, and in there we saw that really paradise is the Garden of Eden. And Garden of Eden is going to be restored in heaven. That's paradise. Jesus is telling this man, today you are going to be with me back in the restored Garden of Eden where the tree of life is, where we will live forever. And you will be with me. You're not going to be on the other side of the room apart from me. You are going to be with me. Does that seem fair? He hasn't sacrificed the way you and I have sacrificed for Jesus. This man didn't give a dime to church for Jesus like you and I have. This man has lived his life for himself at the expense of others. And he's going to get into paradise, the same paradise that you and I are going to have, simply because in his last minutes he cries out to Jesus? Does that seem fair? What about all the people that are hurting because of him? I don't think that's fair. But let's bring it to the 20th century, not the 21st, but the 20th century. 1994, a pastor in Wisconsin named Roy Ratcliffe gets a phone call. There's an inmate in a federal prison who wants to talk to him and is interested in being baptized. So Roy grabbed his Bible, grabbed his things, he went to the federal prison, and he sat there wondering who was going to come through the door to talk with him. And he was completely shocked as Jeffrey Dahmer came walking through the door. And he sat down and asked, Pastor, can I be baptized? Jeffrey Dahmer, the Milwaukee monster, the serial killer who killed 17 boys 
and men. And in his later murders, dismembered them and ate them. This man now wants to be baptized? What about the parents that are hurting because of him? What about the families who have lost loved ones because of him? And now he wants to be baptized and just, just like that, he's going to get paradise just like you and me? That's not fair. You see, when it comes to heaven, this is your first point today. When it comes to heaven, we think we want what's fair. I don't know about you, but I want those guys, the criminals, and Jeffrey Dahmer to get what's coming to them. And to be fair, that's what the criminal does say, right? Hey, other criminal, we are getting what our deeds deserve. We are taking the punishment we deserve. But then to cry out to Jesus and just everything's forgiven, everything's fine, paradise is theirs, that's not fair. They haven't done what we've done. They haven't sacrificed like us. They haven't done anything to deserve it. Uh Uh-oh. What did we just realize? What just came out? Our work-righteous attitude. Our work-righteous attitude that believes that in some way, shape, or form, we are doing something to deserve eternal life. We know that it's only by grace, God's unconditional and undeserved love, that heaven is ours. But then when we see something like the criminal on the cross, when we see Jeffrey Dahmer, and we hear, we're going to get the same gift that they do, all of a sudden the work-righteous attitude starts to come out of our hearts. That's not fair. But let's be very clear. How many people have we hurt? How many people's self-esteem is crushed because of the words that we've said or the actions that we've taken? How many people's reputations have been tarnished and destroyed because I couldn't keep my mouth shut and had to spread that gossip. You see, if I really wanted God to be fair, then He'd have to give me what I deserve. And what I deserve, the Bible says, is that the wages of sin is death. I have earned eternal death. Suddenly, I don't know that I want God to be fair. Because otherwise I'd be crying out with the the criminal, I'm getting what my deeds deserve. No, I don't want that. Instead, I cry out with the criminal, Jesus, remember me. And he does. And he does. Jesus, remember me. Your second point, when it comes to heaven, God is unfair. And that's what we see with the criminal. The criminal cannot do anything to help his cause. He can't even wipe the sweat from his brow because his hand is pinned to the cross. He can do nothing. All he can do is cry out, Jesus, remember me. And I'll be honest, this is a, working through this this time to, to preach it, it's the very first time that I realized that the criminal calls him Jesus and the significance of that. He doesn't call him rabbi. He doesn't call him teacher. He doesn't call him Lord. He calls him Jesus, the same name that God told Joseph 
33 years before this to name Mary's child Jesus. Why? Because He would save His people from their sins. He cries out, Savior, remember me. Jesus, Savior, remember me. And Jesus says, today I give you the gift. Today I give you a gift. Paradise. It's yours. There's no probation. There's no purgatory time. There's no time to work it off. There's no time to make up for it. It's today the gift is yours. Heaven. Salvation. Free of charge. It's yours. It's the same gift that He gives you today. He gives you the same gift. Jesus, your Savior, gives you the gift of eternal life. How? Well, the criminal tells you. What's he say about Jesus? This man has done nothing wrong. And yet there he is, dying. Dying on the cross. Why? So that Isaiah 53, 700 years before this, would come true. Where it says that he, Jesus, was numbered with the transgressors. And he was pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we have been healed. You want to talk about unfair. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, did nothing wrong. And yet there he was dying taking the responsibility for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of the world, so that Jesus can say, today you will be with me in paradise. Today the gift is yours. So that when you call out, Jesus, Savior, remember me, He says, I do. And I've forgiven all your sins at the cross. Peace is yours because your transgressions, your iniquities have been paid for Your wounds have been healed and you have peace with God. That gift is yours today because of Jesus. Just like that gift was the criminals because of Jesus. It has nothing to do with what we do or what we don't do. That gift is given and won by Jesus. God is unfair when it comes to heaven and that's a good thing. It's not based on what we deserve or what we don't. It's based on Jesus and Jesus alone. And the gift is yours. And that's your last point today. Heaven is not earned. It is freely given. I think I see uh, fairness the most at Christmas time. Uh, My mom spends the same amount on everybody and she makes sure that everyone has the same amount of gifts. So she splits it up that way because she doesn't want somebody to open two gifts and somebody have four gifts. Well, she spent the same money, but that's still not fair. Everyone needs to have the same amount to open along with the same amount of money spent on you. That's what's fair, Mom says. In a way, God is fair when it comes to heaven. Everybody gets the same thing. Whether we've, we haven't earned it. Nobody's earned it. And so God gives it to us as a free gift. Today, that gift is yours. And that's what we want to remember. If you are on your last, last breath, if you are on your deathbed, if death is fast approaching, this gift is yours. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
It doesn't matter how bad you've been or what you've left undone. The gift is yours because Jesus won it for you at the cross. Whether you're on again, off again, and you're not sure how God feels about you, the gift is yours because Jesus won it at the cross. If you are here every single Sunday, know that heaven is yours as a free gift. You're not earning it by being here. You're not deserving it because you're here. It's a free gift, one for you by Jesus. Treasure the gift. Share the gift. Because forgiveness has been won for all. The gift has been offered to all. And so let's treasure it. Today, no matter what happens, if something were to happen, you know for sure that you will be in heaven, in paradise, because of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and pray. We will close with the Lord's Prayer, blessing, and then closing verse. Dear Jesus, uh, we see your grace again and again in Scripture, but here is one of the most clear pictures of it. This is a guy who was heaping insults on you earlier, and now he turns to you and cries out, Savior, and you give him the gift of eternal life. Because at the cross, you paid for all his sins. Just like at the cross, you've paid for all ours. We thank you that you have earned our salvation and you have given it to us as a free gift. Help us always remember that uh, because in our hearts is a, a work-righteous attitude where we think we've earn, we're earning it and deserving of it. Uh, but the truth is, we're all getting there simply because of the gift you offer us. Help us to treasure that today. Help us to share that message today so that more and more people may have that free gift of eternal life. We ask all this in your name, and it's in your name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In Numbers chapter 6, God instructed Aaron the high priest to raise his hand and bless the people with the Lord's name so that they knew the Lord was going with them. We're going to end our service the same way today so you know the Lord is going with you.